morning, everyone. Uh, this morning's reading is from the book of John, and we're reading the first 13 verses. John chapter 1, verses 1 to 13. Let's hear God's word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. There came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning the light, so that through him all men might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. Amen. We have kids heading out to go and look at the Bible as we look at the Bible down here. Well, I don't know um, whether any of you read this article. This is from a few years ago from Good Housekeeping. I don't know if anyone's going to admit here to reading Good Housekeeping. Uh, but they did a, an article on a list of 31 gifts you should never give. I think, I'm pretty sure it was a Christmas article. 31 gifts you should never give. I'm not going to read all 31, but I'm just going to share with you a few that I found particularly interesting. Uh, one of them was exercise gear. Don't give exercise gear. I, I assume that's because the implication is you're unfit. You really need this exercise gear. Um, don't re-gift things. I thought that was a no-brainer, but obviously some people need to be told this. Don't re-gift things. A gift you had last year, you're not particularly keen on, don't gift it to someone else. That can all go horribly wrong, I would think. Um, this, this, this next one that was on the list, I, I have to say, for the record, I don't agree with this one. Um, they suggest don't give cash. Um, don't give... I know, a lot of you are shaking your heads. What's wrong with that? I'm, for the record, I'm happy with, I'm happy with cash. Um, <laughs> I assume the idea behind that is that you haven't given it a lot of thought, but I don't mind about the level of thought if it's money. Um, here's another one. Now, I have to say, I did literally laugh out loud at this one, and I can see why this one was on the list. Wrinkle cream. <laughs> don't buy wrinkle cream for a loved one for Christmas. Cleaning supplies. Yeah, I don't think I'd be that chuffed. My, my mother-in-law did give me a Hoover one year, um, but I don't think cleaning supplies is a good idea. Donations to charity on your behalf. <laughs> I've gifted this amount to charity for you. Yeah, I wouldn't be too impressed with that one. Um, so there were some interesting things on that list. Google it later and check it out. Um, now, by, if my math is right, this will be my 51st Christmas. And over the years, I've, I've not received most of those gifts, though I have had cash, thankfully, and I'm pretty sure I have had exercise gear. I haven't yet had wrinkle cream. Um, but this, my 51st Christmas... Uh, I don't think I've ever refused a gift. I don't know if you ever have. I, I'm sure I've never refused a gift. Why is that? Because I think our default position as nice, polite British people, and I'm sure other nationalities too, um, we don't like to refuse gifts. It's not on, is it? It's not a done thing. Even the gifts that we're not mad about, 
we tend to just receive them. And of course, the irony and the tragedy of the human race is that by and large, Christmas by Christmas, the human race rejects the greatest gift the world has ever been offered as it passes by Jesus and holds up its hands and says, no thank you. And what we're seeing in the passage we're focusing on this morning, verses 9 to 13 of John chapter 1, is the giving of the greatest gift ever offered. The word gift isn't used in this passage, but something of huge value is being given, and the thing being given is either being rejected or received. So I think it's fair to call it a gift. We're seeing the giving of that gift, the rejecting of the gift, the receiving of the gift, and we're seeing also the result of receiving it. Those are going to be the four things we see this morning. The, the giving of the gift, the rejecting of the gift, the receiving of the gift, and the result of receiving it. And each person here this morning is confronted by John as he writes his gospel with the question, what will I do with this gift that is offered to me? Because, make no mistake, it is offered to every single person in this room. So let's look at the gift given first of all. And we see that in verse 9 of this passage. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. Dave spoke on this last time. Uh, John the Baptist, who's mentioned in this passage too, his ministry pointed to the fact that the, the word of God, uh, the light of the world, the life of the world, those are all titles given to him in the first part. In other words, Jesus, the Son of God, he had come into the world. John the Baptist's ministry testified to that, that some decades before, God had come to Bethlehem. God had come via a virgin's womb, via a teenage girl called Mary. We, we sung, O Little Town of Bethlehem. I'm going to mention a few of the lines from that, that carol this, this morning as we go through. And one of the words, one of the, the lines in that carol is, In thy dark street shineth the everlasting light. The light, the life, the word, God eternal, who we've been singing about this morning, came to Bethlehem. God the Son, who was with the Father, came to be with us. That's what Emmanuel means. That's the name of Jesus we're focusing on this Christmas time in particular. Emmanuel, God with us. God stepping down into our darkness to be with us. To free us from our darkness. The darkness that all human beings are in because of their, their rejection of God. Because of their sin. That's why this world ultimately is a dark place. The word, the light, the life came to this world. And that's what John's speaking about in possibly the most famous verse in the Bible. If you flick over a couple of pages in your Bibles, in John 3, you read this in John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. There is so much packed into that word gave. He gave his only Son. God the Son came to be with us. Now there's always a cost to every gift. Any gift you get this year, even the cheaper ones that you buy, there is a cost in some way to every gift, however small it might be. In this gift, the infinite God Think about this, the infinite God with no beginning and no end, no end to his riches and his wealth, the infinite God gave everything he could give. 
because God gave God. God gave God the Son to come and be with us. Um, Christmas by Christmas, Kath and I have this conversation. I'm, I'm betting you have it in your households as well. Uh, how, much, how much do we usually spend on so-and-so? There's a sliding scale, I have to be honest. You know, um, How much do we spend on Tom? How much do we spend on Sophia? How much do we spend on this person? Do we even get Christmas presents for, for so-and-so? But we have the conversation about how much are we going to spend on this person. In other words, we're talking about there being a limit to what we're giving. However much you might like and love the person, you know, the purse strings only stretch so far, so there's a limit on any gift we give. God, eternal, set no limit on the gift he gave us. Out of his infinite riches, did he say, yeah, out of my infinite riches, I'm going to cap it here. No, no cap, no limit, because God gave God the Son to come and be with us. This is the gift being given. Not God in a, in a blaze of glory, as we'd probably expect, having read through our Old Testaments, flattening us with his greatness and his dazzling purity and blasting the darkness, which we are part of. No, quietly, obscurely at first, but lovingly and undeniably, God gave this gift that first Christmas. We sung in our little town of Bethlehem how silently, how silently the wondrous gift is given. The Son of God comes as a baby and he grows into a toddler and a lad and a young man and a man and he makes friends and he lives and he heals and he suffers and he weeps and he dies. That word gave isn't just talking about God sending his son. It's talking about the cross. God so loved the world, he gave his only son to the point that his only son died on a cross for people like you and me to rescue us from our darkness. The one who cannot die because he's God becomes human himself so that he can die in the place of darkness-bound sinners so that they could come, so that we could come into God's marvelous light. That is God giving Everything he could give. There is literally nothing more he could give than himself in the person of his son. The infinite one giving an infinite gift to finite creatures like us. And what does humanity do? As God gives this literally glorious gift, well, God tell, um, John tells us several decades after the death and resurrection of Jesus, the answer in our second point, the gift is rejected. That's what we see in verses 10 and 11, the gift rejected. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. What does humanity do when God gives everything he could give? They reject the gift. The gift lovingly prepared before the world's foundation and sent via a virgin's womb to arrive in humanity's doorway as he lies down in an animal feeder and shivers in the cold, the world rejects that gift. There's always talk of scandals. There have been plenty in our news just in the last week, haven't there? But this here is, is the true scandal. This is a narrative more shocking than anything in your news feeds. Because the word, did you see that in verse 10? The world didn't recognize its creator. We're going to be thinking more about this next week, what it means that the word became flesh. But make no mistake, the word, Jesus, is the creator of the whole cosmos, human beings included. And we read there in verse 10, though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. Well, you might say, well, no wonder. 
He came as a, as a Palestinian carpenter. But look at the story of Jesus in the Gospels. Look at the way he lived his life and look at the way he died. They heard his words and he spoke like no other. They saw this man raise the dead. This man made dead people alive again. They saw him walk on water. They saw him multiply bread. They saw him regenerate nerves and restore retinas. And they saw him die. And then a couple of days after he died, they saw him rise from dead, the dead. All the evidence placarded before the world that this was God, the eternal son, made human. And they rejected him because they still didn't recognize their creator. So they had no excuse for not recognizing him. We have no excuse for not recognizing in the person of Jesus Christ, God himself, the creator. The one who designed them, the one who was the source of all life, and they reject him. And so basically what this is telling us is that we as human beings, we as a race, we are worse. We are far worse than ungrateful children tossing aside a thoughtful and costly present. That's what darkness is. This is what spiritual blindness leads to. That this gift we're given, we throw it back in God's face. And not just the world in general either, his own. Did you notice that? In verse 11, he came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. I think that's been a bit more specific than talking about creation and human beings generally. That seems to be talking about the Jewish nation. The ones who had his word, they'd, they'd had his word and prophecies about him for centuries. The ones who'd memorized the promises of his coming. And he comes and then they violently reject him and send him to a Roman cross. And when you read the crucifixion accounts, what happens there is that they literally, literally spit in the face of God. It's a pretty good definition of sin. I think we've said it here before, spitting in the face of God. When they ask over the top metaphor, no, that, that happened. And that's what humanity did with this gift. Imagine this Christmas. You, you go and a lot of us are going to be traveling to see family on Christmas Day or Boxing Day maybe later in the holidays. Imagine you're looking forward to going and you're seeing family. You travel a long way. You turn up at the, your children's door, your kids' door, your grown-up kids. Or you turn up at your parents' door. And they open the door and you have the smile on your face and they say, who are you? And you tell them, well, I'm, I'm your father, I'm your, your mother, I'm your, I'm your son, I'm your daughter. And they laugh and say, I don't know who you are, get lost. That's how ridiculous it is that humanity's done this, except even further than that. It's, it's like that scenario, but they don't just say get lost, they reject you and they turn nasty and they beat you and they kill you. We can't imagine the trauma that would cause for us. And this is what Jesus Christ, the pure and holy son of God, himself faced and, and, and infinitely more. Can, we be, can you begin to imagine what it was like for Jesus? The creator become a human being, coming to his own people, coming to the, the creatures he created, and they hate him, they despise him, they reject him, they persecute him, and they tie him and nail him to a cross. No wonder he wept over Jerusalem, knowing what was coming. And this doesn't just apply in John's day, this applies in our day. Much of the world is still to this day rejecting Jesus despite all the evidence, despite the witness of the church, 
And so the world remains in darkness. The darkness that John has been describing so far, the world remains in that darkness. It's a pretty depressing picture up to this point, isn't it? This picture that John paints. But there is, there is to pinch a line from another carol, there is a thrill of hope. Because then you get verse 12 and our third point, the gift received. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name. So by and large, humanity rejects this great gift. And yet there are clearly some who don't reject the gift. To those who did receive him, who believed in his name. Not everybody rejects the gift of Jesus. They receive him. What does it mean to receive him? We all know what it means to receive a present, a physical present at Christmas time, right? Um, generally speaking, sat in a living room probably, we hold out our hands and we take it and we say thank you. And we open it and then we keep it. And if it's a precious gift, we take it home and we hold it closer than the other gifts maybe. And we look after it particularly well. That's how you receive and appreciate a physical gift. But how does this apply today in 2022, to receiving the gift of the eternal Son of God? Well, John tells us, because to receive him means to believe in him. To all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name. In his name. The name there isn't just a word or a label. It's, in Jewish culture especially, it's who a person is. is what they are. So receiving the gift of Jesus... Believing in him, it's a personal thing, a person-to-person thing. It means you understand the claims about Jesus in the Bible and you believe that Jesus was and is the Son of God, that he died on the cross to bear away the sin and the darkness of human beings like you and me, your rejection of God, your rebellion against him. You believe all that, you understand all that, you believe that he died and that he rose from the dead and you believe and you understand that he offers eternal life But you move beyond just knowing and just assenting to something far more personal. You trust him. You bring him by faith into your life as saviour and lord. You receive him. You know, when when someone was preaching at a youth weekend away many years ago, I've mentioned this a bunch of times now in this place, and I came to faith in Jesus. The way it was being described by the person who was speaking to us as a bunch of young teens was, you need to receive Jesus into your heart. Now, in recent years, I've heard critiques of that terminology, and I kind of understand why, because you need to say more about what faith is. But actually, that's not a bad description of what it means to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You ask this eternal Son of God into your heart, into your life. You receive him as your Savior and Lord. Cast out our sin and enter in Be born in us today. I think that's what the carol writer is talking about there in O Little Town of Bethlehem. Be born in us today. It is possible, wonderfully possible, to receive this gift by believing in, by trusting in, by receiving Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. It's a personal thing. It needs to happen between that person, between you and this Savior. That's the gift received. But I don't want to stop there. I want to start finish with the fourth and final point, which is the result of receiving Jesus as Savior and Lord as the greatest gift 
that the world has ever seen. And we see this in the second half of verse 12 and in verse 13. Yet to all who did receive him, to all who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. He gave the right to become children of God. What's the result of receiving Jesus by faith? Well, the Bible describes the results, plural, of believing in Jesus in a variety of beautiful ways. Let me just give you a few. It speaks of a person being forgiven. It speaks of a person receiving eternal life. Wonderful, abundant life that will never end now. It speaks of that person entering God's kingdom. But there's a consequence of believing in Jesus that goes, I I would say, even beyond those wonderful things. That is, in one sense, even more wonderful. Even beyond being rescued from darkness and being given a bright future. And that's this result here. A person who receives Jesus by faith is given the right by Jesus to become a child of God. I mean, maybe you came here this morning thinking, well, we're all children of God. Surely God's father to all of us. You know, I, I, I grew up in school every week, regularly during the week, with a bunch of other teenagers reciting the Lord's Prayer, which begins, Our Father who art in heaven. Were we all wrong saying Our Father? In one sense, yes, in the sense that it's meant in that prayer. I mean, God is the father of all humanity in the sense that he's the creator of the world and he loves the whole world. But this is talking about the special fatherly love that God Almighty has for those who have put their faith in Jesus, for those who have become children of God. And John wants us to see this right to be called children of God is one that's given by Jesus. It's not one that anybody can possibly earn. This gift is all about God's undeserved gift-giving grace. It is not ultimately about human decision-making. And that's why we have the other words there. Not of human decision. It's not primarily, ultimately about human desires or a husband's will, is the other words that John uses there. No, a person coming to the point that they put their faith in Jesus, they receive him, is ultimately God's work. A work is done in their heart and they come to believe in him and receive him. We can take no credit in this when we come to faith in Jesus. And to his Jewish readers especially, John has to make clear that this becoming a child of God comes not of natural descent. He's saying to them, look, you, you might be good Jewish people and you might do your best at keeping the law of Moses, but that does not entitle you to become a child of God. You're not a child of God just because you're an Israelite. He's saying to them all the way through John's gospel, the way you become a child of God is you believe in and you receive by faith into your life Jesus, the Messiah, the Word, the Son of God. We might add today in 21st century UK, you do not become a child of God by virtue of being from a good Christian family. It's not about your stock. It's not about your background. It's not about attending church regularly. You can attend church as regularly as you like and never be a child of God. No, John has to show them you don't become a child of God by birth. You become a child of God by the new birth. Something supernatural happens in your heart and it is opened to see Jesus for who he is 
and to believe in and receive him and ask him in and just, just, just surrender to him. And when you do, Jesus gives you the right, a right that he has earned, you haven't, a right to become a child of God. Uh, the the story is told uh, of the, uh, the emperor, warrior, general Napoleon, that there was one day where he was on his, his, uh, his war horse and the horse reared up and was about to throw him and a lowly grandier corporal grabbed the reins of the horse and brought it back down and uh, saved Napoleon's bacon. And uh, Napoleon, so the story goes, said to this lowly grenadier, um, corporal, corporal's almost the lowest rank you can have in the army, and he says to the, to the corporal, thank you, captain. And the man said, captain of, captain of what, sir? And he said, captain of my guards. And apparently this grenadier corporal, who was now a captain, turned and walked to the tent full of all Napoleon's generals and sat down at the table. And they said to him, what on earth are you doing here, corporal? And he said, I'm not a corporal, I'm a captain now in Napoleon's guard. And they said to him, on whose authority? And he said, on Napoleon's authority. A very flawed example, illustration of what it means for us as sinners in the dark, when we receive the gift of Jesus as our Lord and Savior, he says to us and he says to the world, I am giving this person the right to be a child of God. Verse 18 of chapter 1, we didn't read that far, speaks of the one in closest relationship with the Father. The only one who is a son by right and by nature, when we put our faith in him, brings us in to make us children by adoption. This is what is unique about the Christian faith because this is what is unique about Christ. The relationship that Christians are able to enjoy with God as their father is unique amongst the world's religions, many of which actually portray God as quite remote and stern and impersonal or mystical, not as father. It's only through Jesus God becomes a sinner's father. All possible because of Jesus, the gift of light and life. Believe in him and you are home. Um, as I was um, researching a few things this week, I came across a very famous photo. I should have thought to bring it with me, sorry. Uh, you, you might well have seen it before of um, President Kennedy, JFK, sat at the Resolute desk in the Oval Office and underneath the desk, playing with his toys, is JFK Jr. I mean, no one, no one else is going to walk in <laughs> to the Oval Office and sit under the Resolute desk and do anything, are they? But there he is. We're not a care in the world playing with his toys because he's the son of the president. And this is what we can do as sinful human beings. This is what we have done. This is where we are actually once we put our faith in Jesus in the presence of the living and powerful and holy God because Jesus has died on the cross to pay for our sins so that when we trust in Jesus, we have the right to be children of God. The darkness, if you trust in Jesus, no longer owns you. Heaven owns you. You are no longer a spiritual orphan. You are in God's forever family. Jesus has earned the right through his life and death for you to be God's child. And when you believe in him, the dear Christ enters in. And because of him, the right to be God's child is transferred 
to you. Because the sin that kept you back from coming into God's presence and God's family has been dealt with at his cross. You often hear it said, um, usually by people who really love Christmas, that one of the reasons they love Christmas is Christmas is about family. I mean, I say that. I say that a lot because I love being with my family and my wider family at Christmas time. And yes, that's true for a lot of people, but you know, for a lot of others, Christmas can be the loneliest of times. It can be a hard time. Some people don't have family around them. But for all who receive Jesus, Christmas means they have a family now that can be never taken away for all of eternity. The greatest gift in the history of the world is offered each Christmas, but you don't have to wait until Christmas Day. Today, a person can receive the gift by trusting in the name of Jesus, the Son of God and the gift of God. And what happens, if I can put it this way, is that as you take the gift and you, in the pages of Scripture, open it up and look at it, all these wonderful truths begin to spill out. And you read or you hear these words spilling out of the gift as you open it up in the pages of Scripture. Words like forgiven and peace and eternal life. You are now heading for heaven. You now have a family to encourage you on the way to heaven because of what Jesus has done. But possibly the most wonderful truth of all, the most wonderful words that you read or you hear as you open that gift are these words. You are mine. And anyone can reach out today and say, cast out our sin and enter in. Be born in us today and know that they become and have the right to call themselves children of God. Let's pray. To all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Thank you so much, Father, that because of Jesus, we who have no right to call ourselves children of the living God can call ourselves exactly that. We thank you for this glorious gift. And Lord, for some of us who've known about this gift for many years, we just want to say we're sorry for it becoming routine to speak about this glorious giving of eternal God at Christmas time. And we say from the bottom of our hearts, Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for faith. Thank you for adoption into the